welcome to our first foray into the podcasting world. I'm your host, Jay Kramer, and this is TB's very first podcast episode. We felt, as we show our ramblings on the website, and we still will do, but we may as well actually ramble on a podcast for you to listen to as well. And we're just heading into our 10th season as a fan group, so we're doing something a little bit special. We're not sure how, how often we're going to do the podcast, but it all depends on your feedback. So uh, be kind, uh, get in contact with us or all the usual places. But joining me for this very first episode are my panel for this evening, our seasoned TEB contributors, Sam Smith, Dan Crame, and Jamie Lawrence. Welcome, guys. Thank you for joining Hello. me. How you doing? Hi, Jay. Hi, Jay. Nice to be, to be here. Excellent, excellent. Well, let's get straight to it. We're episode number one, which is perfectly timed as the season is all over and done with. So my first question goes out to Sam. How do we rate Palace's season? Um, I, th- I think it's a better season than what it's maybe been made out to be at the moment. Maybe when we reflect on this season in a couple of years' time when we've still got Premier League football, we will look at we will look back on this season as one where we sort of stabilised after such, I mean, it's such a difficult, people forget how difficult that pre-season was right in the middle of the pandemic, just after we'd finished a tough season, a tough end to the season with Project mm-hmm. Restart. It was a difficult way to prepare for a season, obviously for, for all clubs as well, not just just for Palace, but it doesn't, doesn't take away how difficult it was to prepare. Um, and I just think everyone did a, did a decent job. I mean, it wasn't a brilliant season, wasn't a spectacularly bad season it was just a middling sort of year where there were good moments there were bad moments and some sort of in-between moments let's, let's go to Dan next uh, Dan do you think I mean obviously we've 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 come off the back of two two very different seasons that we've ever experienced before same as a player same as managers fans everybody involved mm. in, in yeah. football do you think it has had an impact on clubs particularly Palace yeah, definitely. I mean, COVID is going to impact everything like it has, and it's going to be talked about for many, many, many years to come. So uh, obviously with football as well, it being such a massive sport now, it's, it's going to be so easily affected by something like that. And um, like Sam says, no club could have um, expected that to happen, just like anyone else could out of sport. So uh, it's unprecedented times. And I think most clubs have struggled, uh, even the big clubs. We, we might have... Um, taken shots at them and said, you know, why are you furloughing staff and that? But I think every club struggled in their own way. Mm. And uh, obviously every club relies on fans. And I think hopefully um, these clubs might actually realise how important fans are after this season. Yeah, totally agree. JB, what's your thoughts on Palace's season? Obviously Roy Hodgson got a lot of stick during the season from fans. Was that was that deserved? Or, you know, or, or do you think, you know, it's, it's a bit of a mixture? I think it's a bit of a mixture. I think the cynic in any Palace fan can say, well, you know, the football's not been great. Uh, in my notes, I've actually, I haven't quite been as flattering. I've basically said how bad the football has been as, uh, on some occasions. It's not been a good watch. We've sat in front of the television because we can't go to the, the stadium, can't mm. go and see them live. Uh, and we've sat there and I've looked at uh, my dad, who I watched the games with, and we both looked at each other and thought, we've scored early. We're just going to play out for a 1-0. And it's just going to be horrible to watch. But you can look at it. We're still in the Prem. We've mm. had a great season. I don't think I've had any fears of relegation this season. I think for me, I know there's been a lot of criticism of Roy. Some deserved, some completely unjust in my opinion. I think he's done a great job. We've, I think looking at the budgets, we've made. have we not made a net profit on player sales since he's been with us? So yeah, I believe so, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I can't criticise him at all. In my, mm. I, He's a legend in my books. I think when mm. Palace fans look back in a few years, they'll see this as a, as a really good period, I think. And that's a very good point you mentioned there, Jamie, and actually when people look back at his tenure at the club, he took over the club in, in a really difficult position. You know, straight, that's probably, yeah, yeah really, really tough to, uh, position to take on a club and not an attractive proposition, let's face it, for, for any manager coming in. But, you know, Roy came in and, and did fantastically well. And that's probably the only season we ever looked in trouble, really. But, you know, I can't think of a season that we ever looked... Um, you know, close to being in the bottom three. Yes, we, I think there was a season or maybe two that we, you know, we ended up in, you know, in the relegation zone at some point during the season. But actually the last couple of seasons, we've been, I hate to say it, more than comfortable, um, even though some of the football hasn't been great. Sam, Tad boring, maybe. on Hodgson? 
Well, it's had boring, yeah, but I, I think as we've seen from Roy Hodgson teams in the past, you know, not just Palace, that mm. that's probably what you're going to get. You're, you're going to get security. And I think the club needed the stability at the club with somebody like Roy coming in. He's done his job. He's done his job to the best of his ability. And I think he'll go down as probably the second best manager behind Steve Koppel in, 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 my, in my particular eyes. Um, Sam, Dan, your views on Hodgson before we move on? Yeah, um, I, I really like him personally. Um, he was given a remit when he came in to in that first season to keep the club up. Um, in the second, third, fourth season, he's been told to sort of for stability. Really, it's, that's that's all he's been asked mm. to do, and he's done it with flying colours every season. I don't. I think it's mm. been some. It was almost like three years since Palace had been in the relegation zone. Um, so yeah, he's passed. Mm. He's passed what he was asked to do with flying colours. Um, mm. Obviously, with that comes slightly conservative football. But look what sort of really ultra-progressive football did before that with a group of players who weren't up to playing that at playing that kind of style of football under Frank de Boer. So that's, that's mm. what had to happen after the Frank de Boer era. And hopefully this summer is a chance to kind of maybe look at getting somewhere in the middle. Yeah, agreed. Dan, your view on, on Roy? Yeah, I completely agree with with you guys that obviously Roy's done his job and he's and he's done it really well. Um I think it is uh the only thing that I would say that we haven't kind of had to take away from the fact that Roy's had kind of this boring type of football is we've failed in cups miserably. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we've had the luxury of getting to a final and now Palace fans expect that every season. Um not every Palace fan, obviously, but the, but some of them do, and mm. I, to an extent of the, with of that, I do agree with them that obviously getting to a final is an amazing achievement for a team like Palace, and we, I'd like a manager who comes in next to kind of focus on cut runs. But that's that said, that is tricky when you're mm. uh, you're trying to stay up. So I think, like Jamie said earlier, that this these four years with Roy are going to be looked back on with fondness. Um, once the dust has settled and whoever comes in next has got a massive job on their hands. Yeah. I echo all of your sentiments and it's worth putting on record, you know, from us guys here and a lot of the palace fans is a massive thank you to Roy for what he's done because he's a, he's a true gen. He's done the job. He's, he's brought us stability, which is exactly what the club needed. Um, yes, we, we've, we've seen some, pretty boring football you know and results that we probably didn't want to see but actually he's kept us in in a good position in the premier league and we're we're heading into um you know that that many consecutive seasons in the premier league and it continues to break records from from the club's perspective so we'll talk about potentially how big a summer we're going to have going forward and obviously a managerial who replaces roy but i'll, I'll come back to sam on this one um what was your highlight of the season um highlight of the season I, it's it's a struggle to think of like mm. one particular moment, but I think you're struggling are... to think of one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think it, it's it's wins over Brighton, obviously Benteke's goal, wins over Man United. It's those kind of moments in the season that you look back on and think mm. maybe the sort of boring football was worth it for moments. I think I, I wrote early in the season that that football is about moments and for fans, those kind of moments like Benteke's goal are what's remembered rather than, all oh, we played slightly boring football that season. Yeah, I d- agreed. And I think there is an element of actually f- struggling to remember the season because we haven't been there. Yeah. You know, that you, you can't you can't remember games that you go to because obviously, you know, it's a very social thing as we know going to football. So it, it's hard to remember certain things during the season. Actually, I don't think there's many games, and I'm not just talking about Palace here, but there's not many games I can remember as being particularly really good during, during no. the course of the season, which I think is just where we've been and where we're coming from. Um, Dan, a particular highlight for you this season? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with Sam that those those moments have been obviously highlights. Um but, I mean, Benteke and Mateta scoring those goals at Brighton with two shots on target. I, mean, I, still, I still chuckle at that now. I still chuckle. Uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, I, I will never get over that and they could, they will never be able to live it down. I mean, imagine if they did that at our place. We'll be absolutely fuming. And I'm glad I just wish, wish I was there to see it. I wish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I've never celebrated like that, quite like that. Um, 
Even for another Palace goal. I mean, that's probably up there with celebrating Punchin's goal at the FA Cup final in 2016 for me. Yeah. I mean, that that was great. Um, Away from that, I mean, signing Eze would be another highlight for me. Um, Mm. Eze's been fantastic for us and he just looks such a talent on the ball. And I really hope his, his injury doesn't set him back. Yeah, and change the player yeah. he is because he he is a talent, and I'm I'm so gutted for him. Yeah, no, I think I think we all echo those sentiments. I hope uh, I hope Eze gets well soon, and uh, obviously, hopefully, it's not as bad as as first thought. Uh, the rumor is that he won't be back until the new year, which is all an awful long time, and that's that's half of the season he's going to miss next season, which is which is massive for any manager coming into the club, you know, with a player like that of that quality. So um, we'll watch that closely. Um, I. You just mentioned, you both mentioned Brighton there, that game down at the Amex where we had two touches, uh, two, two, two efforts on goal. If Mateta does nothing else in his Palace career, then he will go down in history for that for that amazing goal that he did um, down at the Amex. So, you know, he's already he, he's already done his job at Palace already, even if he doesn't have much more of a career. I, I, really, yeah. I really hope we see more of him, to be quite honest with you. I'm surprised he hasn't played since. He hasn't really played since, has he? Well, Benteke's I... kept him out, hasn't he? Benteke's form has just been so good second half of the season there's been no opportunity to get him in the side yeah I agree with that but obviously there's been moments where Benteke hasn't been mm. great mm. there's been games where he's, he's looked leggy mm. um, obviously the season was very very close together because of Covid mm. um, so maybe rotation could have would have been good but Hodgson <laughs> is like that as we know mm. so um I, yeah. I hope whoever comes in does look at Mateta and go, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's see what he can do. Stickler for his lineups is old Roy. Jamie, let's bring you in. Highlight of the season. I, I, I'm assuming that those couple of games will, will rank quite up there. Yeah, the United game was good, but I've written the, the 2-1 versus Brighton. Look, mm. you know, as again, I, I'm not from South London. I live in Essex. My family hails from South London, hence why I support Palace. So when um, the, the Brighton well, rivalry... Why did I invite you on this podcast? Uh, oh, yeah, before. I'm trying I to just... think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you've asked everyone and I was the only, I was the only one. <laughs> I, was the, I was the fifth reserve. No, um, yeah. um, I was the Mateta of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> but on, on a serious note, the Brighton rivalry isn't as raw for me as it is maybe for some true South Londoners who have, uh, you know, who've been supporting Palace, uh, mm. you know, have been brought up around the ground. But for me, the Brighton rivalry is still important. And um, I think it was just hilarious. You know, when, <laughs> I mean, let's not forget, I use uh, work to get that goal, to get that assist for Mateta. That work rate down the right-hand side was brilliant. And mm. that goal, Mateta's goal was just so audacious and yet just so unbelievable. It's just, just so casual. I loved it. I just loved it. And he kicked that corner flag and I was, I was so happy. And, Whenever we we score a goal, when we watch Palace on the telly, me and, me and my old man, we will get up, we'll dance, we'll celebrate, we'll scream. When Benteke <laughs> put that goal back in the net, we just sat there, we looked at each yeah. other and we just burst out laughing. We didn't even <laughs> celebrate. We were just we just found it so funny. It's the only time we've not celebrated a goal and we've just laughed because it was just just so ridiculous how we'd been outplayed yeah. for 90 yeah. minutes. And we, we'd just done the ultimate smash and grab. So for me, nothing will beat that. The fact that I was just mm. sat there with tears in my eyes laughing at, win, at scoring a win, winning goal like that, for me, that's mm. the highlight of the season. No, nothing yeah. beats that. I, I agree with you guys. I mean, that one is right up there because of the nature of how the game went. And I, we, we were the same in this household, Jamie, the very same in the, we just burst out laughing when Benteke scored that. You know, <laughs> there, there was one element of being stunned about how good that goal was um, because we had literally done nothing else other than that, taking the or, or scoring through, uh, um, you know, scoring the first goal. And then, um, and then that comes up in the 95th, 96th minute. I mean, how good a feeling is that against your rival to yeah, score late it, on to win the game away from home? I mean, it's just, you know, it's gutting that fans weren't there to see it, you know, but you know, it's not a lot we can do about that, but just, yeah, no, very it much was, same it was, it was a true highlight. I think I think any Palace fan that hasn't got that as their highlight needs to give hmm. their head a wobble. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, I would say, I mean, being a seasoned Palace fan and not seeing us victorious over at Manchester United for quite some time to yeah. win at Old Trafford in back-to-back seasons is has gone under the radar uh, hugely I think in and 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 rightly so the Brighton result actually takes a, a massive shine off that result at Old Trafford but actually for two seasons in a row we, we've beaten United at Old Trafford I mean you know United finished second in the league this year um, ended up in the final of Europa League. 
I, I think that's very underrated in terms of results and two seasons in a row. I've been waiting for those results for absolutely years to happen against Old <laughs> Trafford. Right in thinking but... that those results are the first time we beat uh, United at Old Trafford since the uh, the old uh, Darren Ambrose screamer game, Carling Cup. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Obviously, these are league, you know, league games. But yeah, of course, that, those are the first victories. Uh, what, what did Gary Neville explain that goal as? The best goal he's ever seen. Old Trafford goal, Trafford, I think yeah. he said. Best yeah. away goal was it? I wasn't yeah. clear about the away goal was it? <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's let's move on through the questions. So the the next topic is we've had highlight of the season. Sam, what was your low light? Um, again, I th- I'd, I'm going to go with not a particular moment, but that run of mm. results around Christmas and New Year. We had the seven nil against Liverpool. Um, the three 0 against Aston oh, Villa. Yeah, it, <laughs> it feels like a really long time ago now, but obviously, it, it almost feels like it wasn't actually last season because I f- there was a period between mm. last season where it must have been around sort of February to the end of the season where it just felt like it dragged on forever, and anything yeah. before that feels like years mm. ago. But yeah, that going back <laughs> to the did. point that um, that period, it you you felt a bit sorry for Roy because that was the period I think when it starts but started to unravel a tiny bit and you've got mm. that sense that all oh, is this is this coming to an end is is this um is he going to be able to turn this around to be fair to him he he did he did turn it around a little bit towards the end of the season until we went on another little bad run um towards the end when we had that difficult run of games but yeah that i mean some of the defending in that game it was almost like frank de boer had taken over again and hodgson had been cast aside that run, especially, I feel like you can kind of forgive the 7-0 against Liverpool as a bad day against a decent side, but that 3-0 against Villa yeah. was almost worse because they'd gone down to 10 mm. men and the three yeah, goals agreed. were bad goals to concede. I, the 7-0 against Liverpool, I it, it was a weird result because I didn't actually feel as annoyed about it as I probably no, should have been no. because it just felt very much like everything Liverpool hit went in. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think they had many more efforts on goal than the seven shots. that they scored from. I think yeah. they had or nine and, shots and, on and target. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And they didn't actually, after that game, they didn't actually win another game for quite some time, if I remember rightly. They went on a bit of a, a, bit of a, run, a bad run themselves. So, you know, every cloud, I guess, uh, in, <laughs> in a way. But yeah, that result, you know, a thrashing like that, I mean, I know Southampton have had a couple of thrashings in back-to-back seasons, but I, I didn't feel as bad about that thrashing as I probably should have done or, or maybe would have done a couple of years ago. Um, you're right, the Villa one, is it, that that hurt more. That, yeah. that did hurt more because they, they went down to 10 men. Well, they won nil up. I think they went one nil up and then they went down got to 10 sent men. off on a stroke yeah. of half-time. That's right. Yeah. In the second and half or... Yeah, they that's did. right. They exactly. did. Yeah. So yeah, no spot on with those two. Dan, let's bring you in. Low light of season. Do you have anything to offer other than those two? Um, I'm just going to kind of echo what's already been said. Really, I mean, that Liverpool loss would be there for obvious reasons. But you're right, mm. Jay, in saying that everything they hit went in. I mean, mm. they had 14 shots in that game. I was just reading it now. I didn't really want to relive it, but I am. Um, 14 shots, eight on target, seven goals. I mean, it doesn't happen often, even to teams like Liverpool. So uh, you can defend as badly as you want, but there's an element of luck in some of the goals that Liverpool scored that day, like deflections. Um, you know, Salah, Salah's two goals. Oh, quality goals. Perfectly, perfectly hit them, and you do have to have luck um, Mm. with that. And I'm not saying he, I'm not saying he's always lucky to score goals like that because he's an amazing player. Mm. But in the same game, to score two is that very similar to each other Mm. from that far out? (laughs) I mean, they're just taking the mick, aren't they? Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. So Liverpool will be up there, and I agree with Sam that obviously that run of games that we had that Roy was seemed to be struggling in um, was tough. Uh, especially around Christmas, because mm. it was a bad enough year as it was. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could have. I mean, any other club probably would have parted ways with Roy after those those um, results. I mean, losing seven nil to Liverpool. Uh, I suppose if it was anyone else, it would have been different. But mm. I mean, Villa, yeah, Villa. That game was awful as well. I mean, there was there was a lot of things wrong with that kind of that period of time, and I, that I for one 
did think that Roy should go at that point. I was like, what What can he do? What can? How can he turn this around? Mm-hmm. But he did, and I'm glad he did, and I'm glad he's left on the terms that he has because it was it's a much nicer way for him to depart. Mm-hmm. I, I I do have a couple of lowlights to throw in, but I'm going to get, let Jamie speak first before I take any any uh, any any away from him. <laughs> That's okay. No, I mean, without wishing to sound like a broken record, I'm going to echo the comments about the, those games. That run of games was appalling. The performance mm-hmm. against Villa, abject. Liverpool, yeah, you could be lucky. But I mean, Pat, I think it was it Patrick Van Aanholt who did like an overhead flip to try and defend the ball and completely missed it. Some of those things. I mean, I've got we laugh a, now. Yeah, I've got a lot of respect for PBI. I like him. He gets a lot of hate on on mm. Twitter from Palace fans. I don't think it's completely mm. deserved. But yeah, I mean, those results happen, right? I, I'm not too. Uh, I, don't, I don't get too depressed by it. Liverpool. We actually played quite well in the first half of that Liverpool game. I thought, and I think even the the. Um, pundits in the studio said the same thing and we were three nil down uh jamie redknapp said it so um i'm not you know it's palace isn't it i'm not i'm not too fussed but i think the thing for me I, the low point i think for me i've written here is actually roy leaving i think that is a little bit of a low point for palace in some respects because i because yeah. i i do think he has been committed to the club he's been a classy classy manager um he's obviously got a lot of respect in the footballing community you, sh- you saw the outpouring of support from the footballing community mm. when he went the comments from managers like Guardiola and Klopp uh you know these are seasoned esteemed managers the, the best in their field making such high praise for, for Roy and I, I think for, for me Roy nobody really respects Roy as much as I think he deserves and I know we, we we will touch on the manager a bit later on, I think, but no one really respects him as much as I think he deserves because he hasn't had the success in England, at least with the big clubs and mm. the big squads like the England role, the Liverpool role. He did not succeed in those roles, I don't think. But look at the West Broms, the Fulhams and the Palaces, the sort of more underdog, lower tier of clubs, shall we say, without wishing to upset any Palace fans um, at all. For me, that is where he's in his element. And I think it is a low point for him leaving us. And whilst I think it is the right time, and I think he's gone out in the right way, which I'm really glad he has. For mm. me, that is a low point as well. Uh, I, I echo those sentiments completely. That's a really good suggestion. And I, I felt sad about Roy. I, I, we knew it was coming, didn't we? We knew it was on the horizon. We knew it was happening. I think the timing is right, like you've said as well. Um, but I, again, you are right in saying, I, you know, we don't think that he has as much of the uh, respect that he probably deserves in, in the world of football. He probably gets more respect from abroad, actually, than he does in, in England. I mean, he had that torrid time at, with England. Um, Liverpool fans blame him completely for the period that he was in charge at Anfield. And, you know, we we know how Liverpool fans can be. But he was in his element at West Brom and, and, and took Fulham to the Europa League final. I mean, you know, that's no mean feat for a club besides a Fulham, let's face it. I mean, no offence to Fulham. They, they are exactly. huge you know, for clubs that, yeah, you're right, you know, in the lower echelons of the Premier League and, you know, some of them is sort of bordering championship, top championship and, and, and bottom of Premier League. That's, that's really good shouts. I, I wanted to throw in a couple more um, lowlights of the season. Um, Burnley at home, the loss to Burnley at oh, home yeah, was... that was a nasty one. That, that stung. Uh, that really did sting big time. And it wasn't long afterwards that the, there was a loss to Newcastle as well at home. Um, I, I, I think I'm talking about the same season because they just seem to merge into one um, these last two seasons. And, and like you said, Sam, at the top there, that, you know, because there, there was a massive stoppage in, in the previous campaign and then we kind of rolled into this season quite quickly, um, being a condensed season as well. It, it has felt an awful long time um, over two campaigns and obviously hopefully we can regroup over the summer as a club and, and get a new manager in and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, really good suggestions for low lights of the season. Let's not dwell on low lights too much <laughs> of the season. Let's move on uh, and, and start with Sam. Yeah. Who Who is your player of the season? Um I think there's a few contenders out there um, just in terms of, you know, performances at the club, but uh, who would be your pick? Um, I, I feel like I'm going to be really boring here and go with Zahar <laughs> because I think without Zahar, even though he, he went through a bit of a patch at the end of the season where he wasn't contributing mm. as much, I think that, that mm. period at the start of the season when it almost felt like he was, he was scoring every game, I think that was the Brighton game, the Southampton game, um, he got a, he got a brace somewhere. I think it was West Brom. There was a there was a few games at the start of the season where he really took it by the scruff of the neck, and um, 
started to show a bit of maturity in his play and really took took responsibility for performances when like the rest of the team was just a bit average and um without without his performances even even when he wasn't scoring he was still the main player on the pitch everything was going through him and yeah I, I think it's a maybe followed by quite a bit James, Sam's gone quiet there for a second. I think he might have cut out. No, no, I don't. I haven't. I think he might. I think he might have been done. I think he might have been done. I do apologise. I do apologise. No, I think uh, it's not boring. Um, boring pick actually. Zaha's scored the most goals he has done in a Premier League season. So that's um, yeah, that's no mean feat. But he, I, I think you're right. I, I think a lot of you know, a lot of the last number of games of the season it kind of rings a little bit for us as fans because it looked like he looked a very frustrated character out there on the pitch and he was asked to play wide a lot more often when he clearly wants to play uh, up front, um, which is where he scored most of his goals this season. So he's, he's contributed a lot. Um, one of my lowlights this season was actually him being out oh, injured yeah. um, during the yeah. season, actually, which I forgot to mention. Um, but actually, we coped better than we ever have done. Actually, game without, um, him, without I, think. I don't think he played in the Exactly. Game. I, th- I think you're right. Yeah, no, you're right. I think you're right because I thought I think that was a game we were thinking just put him on the bench yeah. just to scare, scare them, and, and Roy didn't. Yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, Wilf's Wilf's an odd one. Um, that's probably a whole whole different podcast. I th- but I think what um, what else I'd add yeah. about it is the fact that it's been a it's been a good team performance most weeks, and it hasn't been one completely yeah. standout player. But if you if you kind of mm. have to pick one, then I think it is Zahar. Yeah, the only no, thing so to me about Zaha, and I don't mean to jump in, is yeah, when he definitely. gets fouled, and admittedly he, he gets fouled a lot, I don't mm. like the tantrums on the ground. For me, yeah, that, that taints what is an otherwise such a special player for me. Mm. Uh, totally, totally right. And I get I get frustrated. Yes, he perhaps doesn't get the protection he deserves, nor does, you know, like Jack Grealish. You know, he doesn't get the protection Agree he deserves well, either. Yeah. Um, but... You know why does he just play with a smile on his face? You know because that would that would annoy a defender even more by you know handing out a treatment and just getting up and playing on and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I I understand these frustrations, but you know I, I think that's just Wilf, unfortunately. You know we we've seen it for too long now. He got a name for himself for going down a bit easy, but actually he's taken it out of his game. I just wish he would take this what seems like petulance out of his game as well. But you know actually we're talking here about player of the season, and you know Sam suggested. Zaha as a player of season, I think he's going to be right up there because of the goals he scored and the contribution he's made this season. I think he did tail off a little bit towards the end of the season. Um, but yeah, no, that's a really good shout. Dan, your player of the season? Um, so I'd probably say I'm going to be boring as well and say Zaha just because if we didn't have him, we would have, well, I mean, it's obvious, isn't it? We would, mm. would have struggled big time. Mm. Um, he's just that player that we, we look to all the time and I personally wouldn't say we're a one-man team anymore now that we have Eze um, but he is so important to us so just because he's an outlet and mm. I'll get onto it when we talk about what we need in the summer mm. um, so I won't go too much into it now but he I feel like Zaha needs someone else with him and I won't say any more than that basically mm. but he's been my my player of the season this year but I wanted to just shout out to Tyrek Mitchell mm. yeah because he mm. it, we look a different team with him in the side um yeah he's he's superb he mm. I honestly he would give Wan-Bissaka a run from his money and not because he is good at just tackling like Wan-Bissaka does but he's he's all round he's better at the all-round game um I, I remember Wan-Bissaka making quite a few mistakes when he was at Palace um, that's that's fair enough because he's learning but one, uh, Tyrek Mitchell I can't really name any I mm. can't I can definitely not name any more than five on my hand so mm. you know I, I think he's been superb and I, we don't need to buy a left back um, when Van Aanholt really? leaves because Mitchell's that good yeah, he's putting no, some mature that. performances hasn't he Mitchell he's, yeah, yeah, really he, has. he, he's, yeah. he's playing above his years 
Totally. I mean, that 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 just shows how good a defender he, he could end up being because of that reason. You know, you mentioned there, Jamie, that, you know, he plays as a player with an older head on his shoulders than he, than he actually mm. has. Looks like he's played the game for years. Um, you know, that, that position, you know, we've got Reese Hannon coming through the ranks as well. And I know that the club are, um, you know, he's very highly thought of and had an excellent game in that playoff final at Celeste a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, we, we, we do have the quality there. Um, to actually, you know, sort out our position for for a few seasons to go, if uh, you know, obviously, if we don't have uh, people diving in yeah. and uh, trying to take him away, but yeah, no, and that's a really good shout. While we talk about Mitchell as well, mm. um, he obviously going. I know jumping back a little bit there, but highlight of the season, I would say as well, Palace coming from behind to beat Villa at Celeste. I mean, that was that was a great mm. result because I, yeah. I could not see that coming yeah, once we went 2-1 no. down because, you know, Benteke, a... Benteke equalised and then mm. El Ghazi scored not long after that and then mm. it was, I honestly thought we were down and out at, at half-time because we, we hadn't actually done that all season coming from behind mm. um, to win and obviously Tyrant Mitchell scored his first goal in that as well. So scored the, Yeah, scored the winner, yeah. Yeah, so I think yeah. that's that's one to mention too. That's a really good shout. I'd forgotten that game, but that was that was actually one of the more enjoyable games of the season because yeah, you know, it, was, it was entertaining. We came from behind, and Tyrant Mitchell got his first goal for the winner. So you know, all, all boxes ticked there. Um, Jamie, let's bring you in, Player of the Season for you. Do you know what I went through? This is the one. I, this is the thing I spent a long time thinking about. And but when I when you when I was thinking about my Player of the Season, I instantly wrote four names down. And I'm not, I mean, it's going to be a little bit controversial maybe because I haven't put Zahara up there. And it okay. is it is the, the tantrums and the sort of that sort yeah. of erratic. I appreciate what you're saying, what uh, Sam and Dan have said about uh, his contribution at the start of the season. Unbelievable, really good, but it's inconsistent. He doesn't mm. deliver time and time again. Mm. And I appreciate he does get marked sometimes by two, sometimes by three players because of his threat. But ultimately, that's what separates the good from the great, in my opinion, is being able mm. to, to counter that. No, I wrote uh, Ebbs down, Eze. Um, mm. I wrote Benteke down. I wrote Tarek Mitchell down. And mm. without wishing to put Moreau's tinted spectacles on, I wrote Ward down as well. Um, good show. Um, yeah. Yeah. For me, if we had like a young player this season, it would be between Ebbs and, and Tarek Mitchell. I think mm. Ebbs would take it. Obviously, mm. young in the context of these aren't actually that these players aren't actually that young. They're just young in the mm. context of Palace's rather old squad. <laughs> yeah, um, <agreed>. But <laughs> uh, but no, for me, Ebbs. Every time he gets the ball, he looks unbelievable. He looks so confident. Mm. It, it's like watching like li- it's like liquid football. It's like watching. Yeah. He just he's just unbelievable. Tyrek Mitchell has just played in a mature way. I wouldn't say there's been any performance where he's been absolutely outstanding. He's just been consistently good. Mm. Benteke for me to come back from two awful seasons where he's mm. just been next to useless apart from his, some of his hold up play and his, every time Gray kicks it he heads it that's the only <laughs> real benefit but you know to get those goals to go was it five goal go, four, four games in a row when he scored or three yeah. games in a row or something like that yeah. that to me to come back like that I love the fact that he's doing his little celebration again with his little hands out and his knees <laughs> love that oh my God, it never <laughs> you know it, yeah, yeah it, exactly. it's great to see and I, I really hope yeah. we we, we um we extend his contract. I know we only did mm. a one-year extension previously. I think we should. Mm. I think he he does add a lot to the team. But let's look at Ward, you know, and again, maybe some rose-tinted spectacles here, but he signed in our playoff season. He's been with us yep. through everything. He was kicked out of the team, relegated to the bench when wan came through. He's come back and made that position his own again. And I think maybe in the in the 2017s. Uh, 18 season when I, I got my first season ticket me and my me and my old man went to the games and he he, he he didn't look good and I thought this is the end for him and I look at him now and I think this he looks like a proper Premier League right back a proper sorted Premier League right back mm. he's made that position his own and for me I, I can't really look too far past him in my opinion I don't think he's been the best player on the pitch by any stretch of imagination but in terms of the journey he's been on with us you know, it's difficult to, to overlook him. But I think if I, yeah, if I was to give anyone my player of the season, if it was one award, no young player, no nothing like that, uh, it's a for me. Really good shout. And I like the, uh, the the suggestion of Joel Ward because I think he's just been fantastic. You mentioned there that, you know, he he was dumped out of side. I think he got injured, which gave Wan-Bissaka the opportunity. Yeah, and he never, 
never look back, uh, never look back at all, which um, which is unfortunate for Joel because he wasn't doing anything wrong. Um, we just didn't have a, a backup for him. And, and obviously, you know, kicked out of team and having to watch Wambasaka play, obviously Wambasaka sold to United, but, you know, he's, he's, he's stuck at it. And going into this season, I think a lot of people are thinking, you know, we don't have a another right back to, you know, in, uh, at the club. But Joel has just gone on, done his job, and actually, I, I I was one of those people that thought he would really struggle, but he hasn't at all. You know, he's he's had good and bad games like everybody has, but you know, he's one of those committed players, and uh, you know, I think he I think he deserves plaudits for this season, particularly because yeah, I think you know, the, he's, he's just the, got on with a job. In the context of this season, is he the best player of the season? No, not by any stretch. But I think that's why he's mm. up there is because actually, for what we bought him for. For what mm. most Palace fans would have expected from us, I think he's exceeded everyone's expectations. So that, that's mm. why he's up there for me. But no, Eze for me, just the, the way he plays, he Eze. just looks unbelievable. Eze, first season in the Premier League, first season at the top table in English football. You know, he's he's just looked, I mean, like you said, he just glides across the pitch. You know, that Sheffield United goal at home, you know, is, is just a, a great Both example. Sheffield United goals. Both yeah, you're right. He did Both the same thing. Goals, actually. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, with the ball, it just looks effortless. And, you know, this is us talking, having experienced what Wilf has done at Palace and how he's... But Eze is just different to Wilf. You know, I'm not saying he's going to be better than Wilf because that's, you know, that's such a, a bold prediction to make. But actually the way that he plays, the way he glides past people is just so effortless. And I, it, I think he's yeah. better on the ball than Wilf. I think Wilf's got yeah. more tricks. Yeah. And he, Wolf can probably take it past players better, definitely. But in terms of actually control of the ball and his 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 possession ability is just second to none. Uh, better than Wolf in my regard on that front. I don't yeah. know if Dan or Sam agree, and if I'm just talking nonsense, but uh, <laughs> that that to me that's what I think. The Benteke shout is another good one. I've really enjoyed watching Benteke come back from what seemed like the brink. I, 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 I've thought on many occasions that actually, you know, we're not going to see the best of him again. But I do think that there's an element of us playing to his strengths more. You know, the way that people have put the ball up to him, like Townsend has, Schluppy has, on more than one occasion in, in the second half of this season has helped him. But actually, seeing Benteke with our confidence back and actually, you know, going for these... Uh, being in the right place. I mean, a lot of the time we've said about him being in the right place at a, you know at the right time, but actually the ball's not fallen to him. But he's he's carried on working hard. He's got the goals. I you know I think that goal against uh, who is it? Who was it against Villa with well, that free kick from Townsend that he put in and and, and Townsend was celebrating uh, before Benteke oh, put Arsenal, the ball into the back of the net. Oh, it was Arsenal. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It was Arsenal. Yeah. Um, you know that just said everything about how you need to play Benteke as, as your striker. Exactly. Exactly. And 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 he he's a better striker than just put it on his head. You know, we seen yeah, of course. you know we've seen the hold up play. We've seen him bringing other players into into play like, you know, hold up the ball, give it to Eze, give it to Wilf, you know, and that's worked so often this season, this particularly second half of the season. So I, I think it's been great to see Benteke back to arguably his best, you know, yeah. scoring goals. And yes, the Euros have probably had a, a say in that because he wants to be in a Belgian squad. But um, if rumours are to be believed, then um, hopefully he'll be signing a new contract to Palace. And I'm, I'm more than happy with that. More also, than happy. if we, just a quick shout out to Andros as well. I know we've talked mm. about this for a bit, uh, quite a while, but Andros just, he's got a cracking left foot. He knows where to plot the ball. And defensively, his work rate is outstanding as well. But not player of the season for me. He looks slow. Sorry, I, I think Sam said at the top of this actually that you know there's been a lot of good team performances this season, and a lot yeah. of people have, you know, have been a part of that. So I, I think that's a valid shout. Then let's move on um, and, and go back to Sam. Obviously, you know, massive managerial vacancy. It's a massive summer ahead for Palace. There's been a lot of rumours, a lot of conversation about who we're looking at, who we're talking to. And as of at the moment, we're recording this on Wednesday evening, the 2nd of June, just to uh, just to be clear. Um, there is no announcement as to who Palace are appointing. Um, it was rumoured to be uh, appointment was due to be made within a couple of weeks. So I think that second week has almost been and gone. So we're, we're coming towards the end of that. Um let, let's just talk, let's not speculate, but let's talk about who we would want to succeed Roy. Sam, I'm going to put you in the hot seat first. 
Um, <laughs> you know what? I'm, I, this might be the most negative thing I say on this podcast, but I, I, I looked at the sort of I've, I've looked at the names that have been linked with the Palace job over the last few weeks, and I don't think there's a single name on there where you'd go, yes, them, they wouldn't be a risk mm. or they, they wouldn't play the kind of football that people have moaned about for four years. You've either, you, that's what, because that's the options you've got. You, are, you either go for someone like Sean Dyche, who is continuity Roy Hodgson, or you go for an Ismail or a Nuno or a Cooper, who would be inherently a risk because mm. not as much, apart from Nuno, not with the other two, not as much experience in the Premier League or just elite level football. Um, and I, I look at the names, and there's not as a fan, there's not a single name who I think, oh yes, I, I'd I'd really like that. I think I think it depends what you want as a fan. Um, if you if you want what you've had for the last four years, then you go for Sean Dyche. But you also say that like why why get rid of Hodgson? Because he was saying all season that he still felt. 20 years younger than he is he still felt fit he still he still felt able to manage at, at Premier League level um, so I don't really understand the point in going for a Sean Dyche um, mm. but then you look at the other names I think to actually answer your question sorry I'm coming I'm coming around to it but to actually answer your no, question that's fine. Um, mm. I think the most sensible option would be Nuno but then again I think any manager that we want next year, because there's such a huge merry-go-round of managers this summer, we are going to be mm. second choice for anybody. Of course, no, I totally agree with that. And I think, I think a lot of fans are thinking out there, from what we've seen on social media and, and conversations elsewhere, that you know we're we're bouncing around managers here. But you know, Nuno was never going to be our first choice no. originally because obviously the plans are in place for Roy to leave. You know, there's no doubt that the plans are in place before the announcement happened. I think that much is clear. Nuno announced that he was leaving Wolves. Was it after the second to last game of the I season? Think so, I think so, yeah. And that it was a bit of a shock at the time so as well, I remember. It, it was. It was. Yeah, it, it was a shock. And, you know, he's done He's done a good job of Wolves. He's brought them up from the championship and, um, you know, got them into qualifying for Europe. And obviously last season that's just gone has been probably, you know, the worst that they've experienced in, you know, since they came up. But, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot about him. And I think Palace, as the rumours are, true, having spoken to him, you know, he was clearly never a first choice because he was still at Wolves, but actually that opportunity has come up. So why not go, you know, ch- chat to him? Um, yeah, no, I and, I and I agree that, you know, you look at our managerial uh, appointments in the recent past, Allardyce, Pulis, Pardew, and then Hodgson, they're all of a similar ill, can't they, in terms of relatively old school managers in this country dice would probably be that next that that next real one that's i say available it's not available is he but he's he's still at burnley but um that that's an interesting one um dan who's who's your who do you who do you want to come in um who i want and who i think we'll get are two different things mm-hmm. um i think we'll get dice to be honest, because like you say, Jay, he fits with Palace and he fits with the managers we've had before. And he's, I, I'm still, I've got question marks with him though, because Burnley didn't exactly set the world alight this year. I mean, they're in the bottom three for a mm. decent amount of time. And we, do we really want to do that? But then again, on the other hand, he has got Burnley into, into European competition before. Yeah. So, it, can, can he do more with more transfer budget? Mm. Can he do more with a better, not to be um, offensive to people in Burnley, but can he do more with a better, um, attractive city? Because obviously London is a massive pool for for players. So uh, it's I don't want to write Dice off mm. um, before he comes because I'm, mm. I'm pretty sure if Nuno doesn't go through, which I don't think it will, not to be pessimistic but um i think he might be the one to take over but personally i i prefer nuno just because he's he's free now mm, mm. there's no compensation we need the compensation money to to rebuild um 
we don't really need, want to be spending it on a manager and, and already start off with less than we had. Mm. Um, I can't believe he was come available at the same time that we need someone. <laughs> um, just because of well, you know, he's he's an up and coming manager, and he might want to he might want a new project with someone like Palace because mm. I feel like this time for Palace is really exciting. I might be biased, but as a manager coming in, you're going to look at it and go, I can really make that my own because there's 11 players going. Um, I hope not all of those go, I have to say. Um, I'd probably keep three or four, mm. but a lot of players are going. There'll be a lot of money freed up on the wage budget. Mm. And I feel like any manager that comes in will have a lot of freedom in terms of uh, in terms of who he wants to get in because Palace will know that we need to we need to buy people. So personally, I think yeah. Nuno is an exciting appointment if we if we could do it. But thanks a lot to Real Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> it might not oh, happen. Well, this remains to be seen. I mean, just one thing about Sean Dyche is uh, obviously there was a, a takeover at Burnley and he was promised a bit of money in the transfer market and that never materialised. So, you know, maybe it's a, a situation where, you know, you know he's, he's fed up wheeling and dealing. There's no doubt he'd still have to wheel and deal a bit of Palace, you know, if he came in. But um, I, I'm actually not against any of the names that are out there, to be quite honest, if they want to take on the job at Palace. But I, I'm a little bit nervous about somebody like Cooper at Swansea um, because I think Sam said the same thing in that actually that would be a gamble. The same as Ishmael as well. Uh, you know, I, I, his first season in English football as a manager, done brilliantly, no doubt about it. Both of them have done really well. Um, but that step to the Premier League, Brighton's boss has done it, kept Brighton up. So yeah, it happens. I, I I think you're right, Dan, as well. Very interesting summer ahead for Palace. I think it's both exciting and nerve-wracking at, at the same time. I'm not sure if you agree, Jamie, on that one. I, well, I, I think it's exciting. It's also a bit nerve-wracking. As a Palace fan, mm. I can be, I've been taught and it's ingrained in me to be quite sceptical. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned about Bryson and uh, you know, how funny it would be we'd, we'd score two goals against them in a game and we only had two shots on target and then we nicked their manager in the summer. Would you? Would you? <laughs> the, the fury. Um, and, and actually, I think Graham Potter is a top manager, uh, but mm. would he come to Palace? No, I think he's got... I actually think Brighton are a well well-run club and I think you know he's got a good setup there so uh yeah sorry I know his so, so quietly. um but uh, on a serious note he, he's obviously got a good setup there um mm. and I, I think for me are there any managers out there really that bring more to the table than, than Roy did is an argument for no um mm. for me I think Deitch is the obvious choice you know if Palace go too radical we don't really have the players and we're not in the tr mm. playing style really to suit super attacking football. I think, you know, Nuno is a, a lovely aspirational choice. Does he actually want to come to Palace? Would he view that mm. as a step up? Possibly not. Everton, you know, again, not wishing to upset Palace fans here, but Everton are, they've got, you know, they are a bigger club than Palace. I think we need to, mm. you know, we, we should be open a bit about that. And I think if the opportunity came up and it was either Everton or Palace and they were, off we we're offering the same money as Everton, I think there's only one choice there for him. I think he's going yeah. to pick Everton, isn't he? Yeah. With, with, with the money they've got and the, and the players they've got, you know? Um, so I, for me, I think, yeah, it's great that Nuno's been linked. I, I don't think we're going to get him. It would be great to have a different start of play. But again, how well would we actually do? Would, would we actually thrive under that? It's difficult mm. to say. For me, Deitch, I actually thought about Scott Parker. I was mentioning Scott Parker's name a few months ago. If Fulham got relegated, I, I, I think that he's... a He's a top top draw manager. I think you know he had a tough gig with with Fulham. He did as good as he could this year. Uh, got some good results out of that team. But for me, I think that that would be a good appointment as well, perhaps. But yeah, I think uh, for me, it's better to play it safe and, and go Deitch and uh, listen to his gravelly tones for the next few years. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, hey, listen, we're running out of time for our, our last topic, so we're going to leave that for another podcast. But I just wanted to throw another couple of names into the hat for you. They're probably just hypothetical because they're not being mentioned in the realms of uh, Palace being Pep Guardiola. <laughs> Pep Guardiola. Yeah. I wasn't going to be that crazy or, or, or radical, but um, one one name that keeps cropping up and not in Palace's uh, list of uh, potential interested suitors is Rafa Benitez. Um, and the second one I was going to put out there was, I've said it during the season on other podcasts as well, but why don't we give Steven Gerrard an opportunity to manage in the Premier League? Thoughts on those yeah. two? 
Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be happy with Gerard if, if you gave me a list of names of the people who have been linked with Palace and then Steven Gerrard, I think Steven Gerrard would be my choice. But, I mean, mm. he's doing a very good job at Rangers. I mean, Rangers probably are a bigger club than Palace comparatively in the two, mm. two areas. Um, and I just don't think if, if Gerrard became available, there would be bigger clubs than Palace. Who want him? Who yeah, get him? I tell you, I tell you another name who hasn't actually been mentioned. And I, to be honest, I'm not even sure if he got a club or not. But Marco Silva, who was linked with a Palace job before oh, Frank yeah. de Boer, it's funny. I was, but he, I think, yeah. I think he, I can't. Did he? Did he annoy Parish or something? There was something about that. I think the Daily Mail did the something story. happened. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, yeah, I, was, I was thinking about Marco Silva earlier, actually. His name's not been mentioned in a long while. I don't mm. even know what he does mm. now. But, um, yeah, no, with your point, Sam, about um, Gerard, I don't think he'd see that as a step up coming to Palace. To be no, honest. I don't no, think he, he, he's got Champions League this year. Uh, you know, mm. he, for me, he's just gone unbeaten in an entire season. I don't think he'd leave. Um, no. And I don't think Benitez would see, even though he was at Newcastle, Newcastle, again, arguably bigger club than Palace, although mm. not in terms of performances necessarily this season or in previous seasons. But would, would Benitez, would we be able to afford him, first of all? Maybe. But would he see it as a step up? Possibly not. Um, and again, it's all about being realistic about what a manager yeah, might totally. perceive as a good good opportunity for them. Yeah. I, I would come in there and say that I think any job in the Premier League at an established team like Palace, to me, is attractive. Yeah. Um, even for a manager like Gerard, who is at an established team who have won the Scottish Premiership in, the, in his first season. I mean, he's done a great job up there. Um, and there's no understat- understatement in terms of his ability in Scotland, but it is a completely different league. Mm. And there's only, one, there's only one other competing team in that in that league not to be harsh on them um, and they, they were awful this year so it'll be interesting to see if he does get, stay at Rangers mm. if, if Celtic can actually test him because they didn't this year um, but I personally think if, if Palace were interested in, in Gerard and they approached him he would he would, ha- he would think about it mm. 100% because it's a Premier League job that is he needs to test himself with and, and prove mean, himself in the league best league yeah. in the world yeah, my, my viewpoint on that was simply thrown out there because I don't feel that he would go straight from Rangers to the Liverpool job. I, I think he would need to cut his teeth in the Premier League with somebody before he went to Liverpool. I could be wrong. Could be I think he wrong. will. I think he will go straight to Liverpool. Do you think so? Okay. Oh, 100%. Yeah. When Klopp goes, they'll just go get Gerrard because mm. they know him. They've got his mobile, mm. haven't they? So they probably got him on speed <laughs> dial or something. Go, yeah, it's, your, it's your time, mate. Let's let's see what let's see if you do better than Lampard at Chelsea, shall we? <laughs> oh yeah, that's one thing we don't want, Lampard. I, I um I, obviously I, I've I've mentioned before we started recording. I follow a little bit of Derby because I went to uni mm. there, and I mm. I do watch Derby play and watching mm. them under Frank Lampard. Great going forward, they had Mason Mount obviously in that team as well. But my God, they were poor defensively, <laughs> and we have not got enough going forward to make up for a, a, a bad defence <laughs> as we've as we proved true. this season. So for me, and the same with Howe as well, similar story for me. I just don't think Howe can organise a defence properly, in my opinion. Mm. Um, people mm. may disagree, but I think any Lampard and Howe would be really poor choices, in my opinion. Yeah. Agreed, yeah. Yeah, agreed. Hey, listen, we're at the end of the pod already. Um, really fun having you guys on the uh, on, on the very first TB podcast. Uh, episodes it's been great chatting to you guys we've overrun a little bit but hey that's fine we'll leave the last topic for for another for another podcast um so that's it uh my thanks to sam dan and jamie for being the founding members of this podcast always be down in stone for that so uh, thank you guys um stay in touch with tb across all of our social media channels you can also send us your feedback or questions for future episodes by email info at eaglesbeak.com i'm your host jay crane thank you for listening to the first episode of the tb podcast Keep a lookout for episode two, whenever that may be. And finally, up the palace.